praise you. We give to you all glory. Thank you for being present with us today. We pray that our hearts will be so open to you that we leave different than we've come. And we ask this through Christ. Amen. It's so great to see you as we gather for worship today. Take a moment, uh, share a word of greeting with others. Maybe introduce yourself to someone that you don't know. Just a couple of things that I want to uh, bring to your attention this morning. Uh, We are pleased to announce that Willow Aileen Knapp was born to uh, Eli and Linda on Friday. And we give thanks to the Lord for uh, the gift of new life, another baby in our congregation. And uh, we're certainly praying for this family and particularly for Willow. Uh, Also, uh, you'll notice in your bulletin, for one thing, there's a lot of inserts in your bulletin and they're all very important. So you want to make sure you look through those and uh, read them. number of opportunities to get involved in ministry, and uh, there are ways that you can uh, respond. And we, we really want you to be involved in ministry. We love having everyone uh, doing something, helping each other and serving the Lord through the church. Uh, there's also a bookmark in your uh, bulletin, and this is a new sermon series. We'll be starting next Sunday, and it'll go through the fall. Our small groups and the youth group will also be using this as uh, their uh, point of discussion. And we're going to be talking about the church and um, what exactly does it mean to be the church. And we're going to be looking through the book of Acts as uh, we talk this week. And uh, hopefully it will uh, give us some, uh, some things to think about in terms of what is the church and what does it mean to be a part of the church and how does the church interact with each other and the world around us. Uh, also, uh, this is uh, the beginning of Christian Life Emphasis Week. We are thrilled to welcome Dr. Richard Mao. Here and uh, there's an, uh, in the insert in your bulletin a biographical sketch of him, so I won't take time to read that. I just want to say that uh, I was handed or I was told about uh, a book called Uncommon Decency a couple of years ago, and I, as I read it, I thought this so resonates with my heart and with uh, what I think uh, God wants us to be as His people in the world and how we interact with each other. And uh, that book and others have. And uh, many other writings that Dr. Mao's done have uh, had a, a real impact on my life and I suspect on yours. And uh, so we, we're looking forward to this morning as he shares with us. And uh, throughout this week, you see a schedule of activities. Uh, tonight, uh, we'll be back in Wesley Chapel. He'll be speaking in chapels. And then the evening, there'll be a couple of different things going on. So just note that schedule and hope you can participate in these activities. It is always a great joy uh, not only to announce the birth of children, but to uh, have the opportunity to dedicate our children to God, and we have the privilege of doing that again this morning. Dan and Jess, God has blessed you with this little one. 
And today you come to dedicate God's gift back to him. You are here today because of your own faith in Jesus Christ. And in this public act of dedication, you are declaring your desire that your daughter would be raised in the love and the grace of God within the nurturing spirit of this church. In this act, you're welcoming the prayers and the support of this church and declaring your desire that she would learn early the things of God and that her life would be defined as a lifelong commitment to follow God to the very end of her life that she might receive the promise of eternal life with Christ. In order that this may be accomplished, it will be your duty as parents to teach your daughter early the fear of the Lord, to watch over her education that she may not be led astray by false teachings or doctrines, to direct her mind to the Holy Scriptures as expressing the will and authority of God for all humanity, and to direct her feet to the sanctuary, to restrain her from evil associates and habits, and as much as possible to bring her up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Will you endeavor to do so by the help of the Lord? If so answer, we will. In Mark's gospel, we read these words. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant, and he said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. What name have you given your child? Oakley Jean Wardinger, on behalf of your parents and your family in this church, I dedicate you to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'll hold it. Can you get it? We'll handle it. I don't think you even did that. I think it was me. As we dedicate our children to God, I want to remind us that this is bringing together of a threefold covenant uh, surrounding this little one. At the base of that is God, and we know God's love for her is at work in her life and has been and will continue to be. The, one, the other side of this sort of triangle around her is uh, Dan and Jess and their family and their commitment to do everything in their power to help her know Christ and to follow Christ. But we also have a responsibility as the church. Dedicating our children to God is not just something that parents do, but it's something that, in a sense, we all do. And as the church, it's our role, our responsibility to do everything in our power to help uh, Oakley know Christ and to follow Christ and that will happen in classes, in the nursery, in children's church, and various programs. But it also happens just in the everyday of life as she watches us live our lives for Jesus. And so I'm going to ask you to stand and to affirm your commitment to her, to his family, as uh, the Church of Christ. As the Church of Jesus Christ... Will you, with the help of God, do everything possible to help Oakley grow in the nurture and grace of Jesus Christ? Will you love her? Will you be a godly witness to her? And will you help her to know and accept the grace of God in her life? If so, answer, we will. Gracious Father, we are so excited to come again today and to dedicate another one of our children to you. We thank you for Oakley, for her life, for bringing her to this world, to this family, and to us. 
We pray, Father, that your blessing would rest upon her. That she would know from this young age to the very end of her life and into eternity the depths of your love for her. May that knowledge cause her to want to know you and to love you in return and to follow you and serve you every moment of her life. We pray, Father, for her family. We think, pray for Dan and Jess, and we pray that you would give them grace and wisdom and all that they will need to be the kind of parents that they desire to be and that you have called them to be. Pour out your spirit upon them and the home that they have created and that you have blessed. And Father, we pray for Oakley's siblings, for Adeline and Elliot and Isaac. We ask that your grace would be upon them as big sister and brothers. And we pray that as they live their life for you, that they will be a witness and an inspiration to their little sister. Father, we pray your grace upon this family. And Father, for us as a church, give us the grace that we need to bear witness of who you are to this little one. That because of our influence, her heart would want to serve you and follow you, and that would be the desire of her life. Thank you again for Oakley. May your blessing rest upon her. We dedicate her to you, and we do it with great joy. Through the grace of Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. great joy to uh, remember and to think about the blessings of God. And uh, it is always appropriate to return our blessings to God, whatever they may be. And this morning we have the privilege of giving to God out of the resources with which he's blessed us. And the usher is going to come and assist us in the giving of our tithes and offerings.
Sometimes it, the posture in which we pray expresses what's going on in our hearts. Sometimes we stand and uh, to, to pray, it just, it just seems like the right way to encounter God. Sometimes seated, sometimes laying prostrate on the floor, sometimes kneeling. Uh, this morning, as we pray together, uh, let me encourage you to, uh, to take the posture that fits your heart this morning. You may want to stand where you are. The altar is open. If you want to join me, and you can come here and, and kneel. You can kneel in your seat. Uh, we want to just open our hearts to God as we pray together. If you'd like to join me here at the altar, please come now as we pray together.
Father, we have come to praise you today, to acknowledge your grace to us, and to ask your mercy upon us. We pray for a world that is far too often characterized by pain and turmoil, by violence and death. We pray, Father, for those in our world who are most needy and desperate and vulnerable. We think especially of those who are still recovering from the earthquake in Nepal and from the flooding in Myanmar. And we ask that through your people, through the power of your Holy Spirit, you will bring assistance and aid and hope in so many places where life feels hopeless. We continue to pray for our brothers and sisters who live with great opposition. This morning our attention turns to the church in North Korea, the most dangerous, difficult place seemingly in the world to be a Christian. We pray your grace upon the more than 70,000 brothers and sisters who are in prison for their faith. Protect them, sustain them, encourage them, Use them to spread the gospel in ways that none of us could ever have imagined. And may their witness continue to inspire our faith and our witness. We pray for the work of your kingdom throughout the world and and in our own backyard. We thank you for the ministry that continues to happen at the Allegheny County Correctional Facility. Encourage Dan and, and the team that works with him. And we pray that Hearts will be open to you in this difficult place. Lord, we ask that you will heal all among us who are suffering. That you will comfort all who feel the pain and grief of loss. We think especially today of Alice Brown and Florence Tuber. For Bunny Austin and Mike Raybuck. For Jill Tyson and Bruce Brenneman. For Bev Rett, Micah Christensen. For Linda Roth and Dick Gould, for Crystal Blake and Emily Crickler, and for others who are on our hearts and our minds today. Father, we pray that you will pour out your spirit during these days in which we focus our attention on spiritual renewal. We pray your blessing upon Dr. Mao as he speaks your word to us. Help us hear and see and understand and help us to open our hearts to you. Do something amazing in us and among us this day and in the coming days. Give us a new perspective about what's important in life. Help us to see our family, our neighbors, our co-workers as people that you love and people that you brought into our lives to love. We pray that you will teach us the joy of humility and the blessing of surrender to you and to one another. Father, we pray all of this, all that's on our hearts today, in the name of our risen and returning Lord, Jesus Christ, the one who teaches us the model for prayer, which we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.
This morning's scripture reading is from Matthew 28. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Following the reading, children ages 2 to 5 may be dismissed to children's church. Matthew 28:16 to 20, the Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Thanks be to God. The moon and stars, they wept. The morning sun was dead. The Savior of the world was fallen. His body on the cross, his blood poured out for us. The weight of every curse upon us. On that blackest day, the Son of God was made in darkness. The battle in the grave, the war on death was waged, the power of hell forever broken. The ground began to Hallelujah, we sing hallelujah, 
It's wonderful to be with you this morning, not only to be uh, back at my alma mater, Houghton College, but also to be back in this congregation, which is my my wife's uh, uh, home church. My wife, Phyllis Gilbert, was raised in uh, Houghton, New York, and we met here, and it's just a wonderful thing to be back in this congregation where I have worshipped many, many times. And it's also a privilege to bring God's word to you this morning as we, we think about this amazing thing that Jesus said to his disciples in that passage from Matthew that we heard read in our midst this morning. When the risen Lord Jesus came to his disciples and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. What an amazing thing. Phyllis and I were in a bookstore a couple years ago and it was one of those chain stores. I went to the religion section. Many of you know what that's like. You get a number of uh, bookcases and shelves and it will say, you know, Asian religions. It'll say Islam. It'll say Christian fiction and church history, and then the the bottom shelf was a very tall shelf, and the label said this, oversized religion. (laughs) I thought, I better get a sermon out of that sometime. But we do indeed have an oversized religion when we have a Savior who could make this amazing claim, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. So let's think about that again this morning. 
You know, that's a, a slightly shortened version, a two-thirds of a, a description that we read elsewhere in the scriptures. For example, in Philippians 2, it says that every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and acknowledge that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And in ancient times, uh, even beyond the Christian world, there was a recognition of, uh, of three levels of authority in the universe. The, the powers or the authorities in the, in the heavens, and typically this was not the supreme authority of a god, but it was the, the, the spirit world, the, the angelic world, if, if you wish. Angels and angelic type beings who who had some kind of influence and impact on the way things went in the, in the world, in the visible world. And then the authorities on the earth, the visible authorities, people whose names we know. In ancient times, it was the emperor and the empress, the kings and the queens. And, but they weren't just political authorities. They had authority over all of the spheres of life. The ancient emperor, for example, was... Not only the ruler over political life, but it was the ruler over military life, over the market system, over the kinship, the familial system, over the religious system. He ruled at the games. Uh, all of these different areas of, of life where there were these visible authorities, and today we have a lot of them in a lot of different spheres of life. Uh, the authorities on the earth were the ones who we can see and we can name their names. And then the authorities under the earth. And these were the spooky kinds of things. Uh, the realm of the departed spirits. Uh, the realm of the demonic and the life. And what Jesus is saying here and what Paul says in Philippians 2 is that all authority in the heavens and on the earth and under the earth, whatever other people may acknowledge, all that authority belongs to Jesus Christ. There's a, <clears throat> there's a wonderful uh, visible manifestation of this in Revelation chapter 5, where they've discovered this, uh, this scroll that is sealed with seven seals. John is looking up into the heavens, and in heaven they've discovered this scroll, and it's sealed with seven seals. And they want to get it open. And it's very important that you open the scroll and know what's in the scroll. Because if you know what's in the scroll, you know how it's all going to end up. If you don't know what's in the scroll, for all you know, it could be a meaningless, just one thing after another. And finally, it all just sort of end. But there's a possibility that there's a real plot line. There's a real narrative. There's a, a happy ending. And... And if you know what's in the scroll, you're going to know the plot. You're going to know how it turns out. And so the word goes forth in the courts of heaven. Who is worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals? And they sent out a search committee. And the search committee comes back with a negative report. We have searched in heaven. We have searched on earth. And we've searched under the earth, and no one is able to take the scroll and to open its seals. They, they checked the realm of the angels. Gabriel 
The archangel could not take the scroll to open its seals. Michael could not take the scroll to open its seals. None of the seraphim or cherubim could break the seals. That angel Moroni who stands on top of every Mormon temple, he could not take the scroll to open its seals. <coughs> so they checked the, uh, the earth. In our day, it would be the, the visible authorities that we know. Mr. Obama could not take the scroll to open its seals. <coughs> Donald Trump could not take the scroll to open its seals. No one at the Wall Street Journal could open the scroll. The head of the government of South Korea could not open the scroll. And try as he might, Justin Bieber could not take the scroll <laughs> and to open its seals. So then they searched under the earth. <coughs> no zombie, no ghost, no vampire, none of the walking dead could take the scroll and to open its seals. And, and John said, I wept because I wanted to know what was in the scroll. Then suddenly this announcement says, second opinion, we found someone. The lion of the tribe of Judah, of the root of Jesse, he is able to take the scroll and to open its seals. And then heaven breaks out in this, this wonderful hymn. <coughs> you are worthy, O Lord, to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain. By your blood, you ransom men and women for God from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you have made us a kingdom and priests unto our God. Jesus Christ alone is worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because all authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth has been given Unto him. Well, why does he say that? What's the, what's the basis of his claim now that he comes to his disciples as the risen Lord? What's the basis of his claim? <coughs> and this is an amazing thing, a very mysterious thing. He says that this authority has been given unto me. There's something mysterious about that. Did not he have it all along? <laughs> Isn't this the sovereign ruler of the universe by whom and through whom and all things have been made? The eternal son of God who has ruled over all things from all eternity. But he says, it has now been given unto me. And we get that same sense in Philippians 2. That because he went to the cross, he emptied himself, went to the cross, and now has been raised up. He has been given a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. <coughs> He's earned something by virtue of the cross and the resurrection and the life of humble submission to his will. I'm just getting over a chest cold, so you have to forgive me a little bit this morning. A little uh, fragile voice. He has been given this authority. 
I believe he's coming to his disciples and he's holding out his nail pierced hands and he says, look, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. He had it all along. <laughs> but Satan challenged that authority. And the curse of sin came into the creation. And he had to go to the cross as the obedient one, as the sinless one. And he had to pay the price for the redemption of that which Satan had attempted to take away from the rule of God. And because he shed his blood on Calvary and because he was raised up again on the third day, he could now come to his disciples. (coughs) And he could say to them, look, all authority in heaven and earth has now been given unto me. He has earned it. So what does that mean for us today? On this Labor Day weekend, what does that mean for us? I wrote a book a couple years ago with the title, uh, Praying at Burger King. And I got that title from an experience I had going with a friend in a strange city. We were at a meeting and we wanted to get away. (coughs) And we... uh, Went to a local Burger King. It was very crowded at noon. A lot of little kids running around. Smell of French fries in the air. We stood in a long line. Got up there and we each ordered a Whopper, cheese, fries. And then not to feel too guilty, we got a Diet Cokes. <laughs> and uh, went back to our, our found a table. We sat down and in the midst of all of that hustle and bustle, in the midst of all of that noise, uh, we quietly bowed our heads to pray. And as we started eating, my friend said to me, you ever think about how weird it is to pray at Burger King? I mean, it's kind of hard to get in a spiritual mood at Burger King. I thought about that. You know, you don't really need to get in a spiritual mood to pray at Burger King. You know, suppose you're at a mall, a very crowded mall, and you're walking along, and you see somebody coming toward you that you haven't seen her for maybe six months. You like her a lot. <coughs> and you don't, you don't say to yourself, look, uh, I've got to greet her, and I want to tell her it's good to see her, but I want to be really sincere about it. So I should go off and find a quiet place, just kind of think about her and experiences that we've had, maybe pray for her so that when I say, hey, it's really good to see you, I, I really mean it, you know. You don't have time for that. And the important thing is she's there, <laughs> and you've got to acknowledge her presence. And I want to say to this to you today, Jesus is at Burger King. Jesus is at Subway. Jesus is in at the football stadium. Jesus is in the classroom. Jesus is at the workplace. Jesus is in the theater. Jesus is in the bedroom. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto him. And one of the things we need to do is simply to acknowledge his presence. To acknowledge that he is the Lord. That even though all the people around us may not acknowledge his kingship and his lordship, 
that we need to be ones who can at any given point bow our heads and to say, Jesus, you're the ruler here. All of this belongs to you. A friend of mine, an African-American pastor, took a new church in a ghetto. And I saw him after two weeks, and I said to him, hey, how's it going? And he said, uh, it's been going great. He said, I, uh, <clears throat> I, don't, I haven't preached the sermon yet. Well, I haven't met most of the people in the congregation. He said, all I've been doing for two weeks is walking through the ghetto, claiming the territory for Jesus. And it's so important for us to claim the territory for Jesus. To acknowledge in the classroom, in the home, in the workplace, in the place where we go to uh, enjoy various kinds of things in restaurants, uh, to acknowledge that he is Lord, that he is present, to claim the territory for Jesus. So important for us in our daily walks. And to struggle with what that means. I'm going to be preaching about this uh, later this week on the campus. <clears throat> but a wonderful, wonderful hymn. For he was slain, and by his blood he ransomed human beings for God, men and women for God, from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And he has made us a kingdom and priests unto our God. We couldn't do it on our own. On our own, we would be in the time of the Tower of Babel curse. But through the blood of Jesus Christ, he's putting together a new kind of community drawn from tribes and, and tongues and, and peoples of the earth. I'm going to repeat this story later this week, but I, I want to re, I'm going to tell it this morning. I, about five years ago, I went to North Korea. I was glad that we prayed for North Korea today. Um, I went with uh, Don Chang, who uh, is the founder and owner of, uh, and if you've got teenage kids or, or grandchildren, or if you are a teenager, <clears throat> the founder and owner of uh, Forever 21, which is a, a fashion chain for... Uh, young people. And uh, Don Chang, really fine Christian, very wealthy Christian, very dedicated servant of Christ. <laughs> South Korean background. And uh, he had heard that uh, five villages in northern North Korea had been devastated by landslides and by uh, floods. And uh, little children were dying every day. And he made an arrangement with the South Korean government to give uh, 5,000 tons of food to these villages with two conditions. One is that he had to go and make sure that it got distributed rightly to the people who needed it. And secondly, that uh, every bag of flour, bag of corn, drum of oil, would have honored a blue cross. He didn't want to identify it as red cross. He wanted a blue cross with the words in blue in Korean, love your neighbor as yourself. And so we went to Pyongyang and we were driven by government officials uh, 10 hours north of, of Pyongyang. Saw a lot of the North Korean countryside. Uh, were greeted with joyful crowds of uh, women and children 
children whose lives have been saved, and they danced for us and sang for us. I had a sense of uh, a different kind of relationship to people in North Korea than I thought I would have. But on Sunday morning, we went to church in Pyongyang, and there are four, we were told, four legal church services in North Korea. And uh, we met German and Canadian diplomats there who said that they came to this church every Sunday, so it wasn't just a show that was put on for us. And as we walked into the church that morning, the choir, the robed choir, was singing, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Later in the service, we all sang, uh, what a friend we have in Jesus. Now, I've got to say, something got transformed for me there. I've got family in North Korea. I don't approve of that government at all, horrible things that they're doing. But I, I can never hear North Korea mentioned again without thinking of the fact that I have brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ who are friends of Jesus in North Korea. And it's so important for us to be thinking about the fact today that because all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto him, and he is bringing together a people from every tribe and tongue and nation of the earth, that we have a new identity, that our American blood does not define us anymore, that being a red-blooded American male doesn't define me, that my Dutch ethnic blood does not define who I am, but who, what defines who I am is the blood of Jesus Christ that is putting together a new kind of community drawn from every tribe and tongue and nation of the earth. Then I want to emphasize a very personal word here. Because at the very end of uh, this great proclamation that he makes to his disciples and the assignment that he gives to them, <clears throat> he says to them, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. I hope you can hear that this morning in your own hearts and lives. He's coming again. And in the meantime, he is with us. You know, I like to read uh, when I'm really busy and I've done a lot of uh, writing and speaking. Sometimes when I get on a plane, I like to read a, a novel, a not very good novel. I was an English major at Houghton College, so I shouldn't admit this, but I like the kind of thriller novels. Uh, uh, Ludlam, Tom Clancy. Yeah. The kind of novels that, uh, that you get into a good story and, and then it's over and you haven't read great literature, but it's been an enjoyable thing to do for a while. <laughs> you know, the novel's 450 pages long. And typically, at page 225, halfway through, the hero's in big trouble. The house is surrounded, doesn't look like he's going to get out of it alive. <laughs> and the woman that he loves, he, she's being held captive someplace, and it's not clear they're, they're ever all going to get together again. And you get kind of tense at that point. I mean, you know, you're reading this novel, and you're caught up in the plot. I'll tell you what I do. I go to the last page. I go to page 450. I don't want to read it very carefully. I want to kind of skim over it. And all I want to know is two things. One is that he's still alive. And secondly, that the two of them are back together again. 
<coughs> and I can still go back to page 225 and start reading. I don't know how it's going to get it all solved. And I still get caught up in the plot. But I can make my way through with a kind of confidence that in the end, it's going to be okay. Because I've seen the last page. And I've got good news for you this morning. We've seen the last page. He says, Lo, I have been with you. I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And the one who said to his disciples on that ancient hillside also says to us today, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. And by the way, I'm with you. And I will be with you to the end of the age. And we can go back to page 225, which is what most of us are on. (coughs) We don't know how it's going to turn out in terms of all the specific details. But this we know, that in the end he's going to come again. And when he comes again, no more heart attacks, no more cancer, no more terrorist acts, no more refugee children pleading to be allowed into countries here in in Europe. In the end, he's going to come again. And in the meantime, he says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Lord Jesus Christ, we praise you that all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto you. And I pray for each of us in our own hearts today that we may hear you saying to us, You may not know how to get from page 225 to page 450, but but keep going. Because I am with you, and I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. (coughs) Please stand and join us as we sing.
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore.